All right, so how many of you, let me ask you this morning, enjoy playing tennis? Raise your hand. A few of you, okay. How many of you, before arthritis set in, enjoyed playing tennis? Yeah, there's more of us that fall into that category, right? Former, former aspiring Wimbledon champions in the house. More of those today. But, uh, you know, uh, tennis originally, well, as we know it today, was invented around the 1870s. It was actually a, a, a kind of a transformation of an already ancient existing game that had been around for a few centuries. But as we know it today, it kind of had its, its beginning in the 1870s. But I present to you this morning that it actually uh, goes back century, uh, millennia. It goes all the way back even to the ancient times of what we know, the time of the Old Testament. Uh, in fact, I believe that we find evidence of that in the scriptures, proving that tennis was around before 1870. It tells us in ex Exodus chapter 3, Moses served in Pharaoh's court. Now, okay, so some of you get it, some of you think I'm still absolutely dead serious. It's a joke. It's a bad joke. I never guarantee any of these jokes to be good, but it, it fits the theme today because we are talking about serving. We're talking about serving in God's court or God's house. Where Moses served was the house of Pharaoh. Where we serve is in the house of God. As we've been talking for some weeks now, uh, opening up this year with our theme for the year, Moving Forward uh, on Mission with Christ. We've talked about moving forward in prayer, praying forward, giving forward, uh, living by faith, moving forward. And today we're talking about serving forward, what God calls us to in moving with Him this coming year and the things He knows He wants to do among us, in us, and through us into our community and our world. One, requires that we serve Him requires that we be available to be people who are able to be shaken from our seat and moved forward with him. Now, I'm, uh, I'm not going to apologize if anybody's feelings get hurt. I have prayed that God will let me do this without making anybody feel guilty or anything else. I'm just going to present to you some simple truth. In fact, this is a very simple, simple message and I've been told it should be short because we have the ministry expo and I can make no guarantees because once I get wound up, man, I'm like the Energizer battery. I just keep going. So anyway, um, and I have fresh batteries in my microphone here today, so we're good to roll. But I'll uh, do my best at it. But it is a very simple message, but I believe it's going to be challenging to all of us that there is a place and a part that every one of us in God's kingdom carry as volunteers. Now hear me. As a student of God's word, I am crystal clear that Paul teaches there are spiritual gifts given to every one of us when we are born again. And I believe our role as Victory Families is to help you discover your gifts and then find those places where it fits in your vocation, in the marketplace, in the church. But what I'm talking about today is so simple, there are some roles and there are some needs in housekeeping. Now, I'm not talking about cleaning, but I'm talking about taking care of God's house that are so simple, they don't require a specific gift. They just require two things, responsibility as a follower of Christ and a personality. <laughs> That's it. 
That's it. And you say, well, pastor, I don't have much of a personality. Well, we know that. We, we're all, we've, all been, we've all become aware of that. But Jesus can help you with that. You get that under the control of the Holy Spirit, you'll get the personality of Jesus, and you'll be the best greeter that the world could ever have seen because Jesus got a hold of that. So we're just talking very simple today, plain, straightforward, simple. The word ministry and the word serve in the Bible are synonymous. We think of ministry as some pulpit, podium, public kind of a thing. No, ministry happens behind the scene. Ministry started happening on this campus. Uh, I don't know, Datrian got here this morning before I did, so he wins the employee parking spot of the month, but he got here before I did, and I got here at 740, so ministry started on this campus already at about 730 this morning. So many ways and places that it's not public, that it's behind the scenes that nobody knows that makes this happen for us to come together and be able to worship. Your worship team was all here at 8 o'clock. They're coming back at 3 o'clock to make a worship night happen. There's a lot that goes on to make things happen. There's a lot of need that we have to fill those roles. But ministry is not simply public. The word ministry and the word serving in the New Testament, they come from the exact same Greek word. You can take that word diakonos and you can define it as ministry or serving. A minister is a servant. Ministry is serving. So they're synonymous. And Paul speaks about these spiritual gifts and we talk about those, we preach about those and we help find your spiritual gift. We have ways we can, uh, means by which we can help you discover what your spiritual gift is. But today we're not talking about giftedness. We're just talking about flat out being able to do something that makes ministry happen on this campus. We're not even talking about missions yet. We're not even talking about evangelism yet. We're talking about just things that need to be done as we come together in the house of the Lord to make the ministry of the house of the Lord happen. So everybody, thank you for the amen. I was going to say everybody say amen, but you, you, you got it. That was, Peter, that came from the Holy Spirit. That was revealed not by man, but by the Holy Spirit, not by pastor. So let's talk about God's house for a moment. We know this, God's house is our hearts, right? Paul teaches in the New Testament, we are now his temple. He resides here. However, we have a house of God. Here, it's a body of believers called Victory Family Church. And we have a campus where we're privileged any day of the week. Back in the early days, 26 years ago when we started, we were, only, we were renting a, 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 an old abandoned movie theater and we could only meet on Sunday mornings. We were only allowed to, to rent it for a Sunday morning service for two hours and that was, that was it. So we met in homes. But, but here, we can meet anytime we want to. That's the privilege of having a campus at 455 Northwest John Jones Drive. We call this the Lord's house. Somebody says, where are you headed this morning? I'm on my way to the Lord's house. With David, we could say, I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord and rejoice. So we, we have this place called God's house. It's a place of worship where we come together on a weekly basis. And tonight, and we come together to worship and to honor God as a family together. Can you worship God from home? And those of you online, you can worship God from home. But there's this privilege that we are given to come together. In fact, the writer of Hebrews would say, look, even as the day of Christ's return draws near, don't neglect, get together more. Get together more because you're honoring God as a family when we come to worship together. There's care given when we come together. 
We can, we can stay connected. There's fellowship. There's friendship. There's relationship. There's like-heartedness and like-mindedness together when we come together on this campus. That's what happens anytime we gather in the Lord's house. There's, there's opportunity to, to help the lost when we come together like this. There's opportunity to, to help the broken and the discouraged and the, and the downtrodden. There's, there's hope. And there's, there's opportunity for, for love to be shared and to be given when we come together on campus at the Lord's house. So this is not, this is not menial. This is not uh, uh, just something we do because, well, that's just been our culture for so many years in America is Sunday is church day. No, you can have church any day of the week because you are the church and you can have church anywhere. We've had church in a gazebo. We've had church in an open field. We've had church in an old movie theater, termite infested as it was. We've had church in people's homes. We've baptized in people's front yards. We've had church in many, many different places. We had church in a Methodist church one time and uh, it was little bitty. So we had lots of services during the time of that. But this is the Lord's house, and there is given to us then a responsibility to facilitate the ministries of the Lord's house that allow people to connect with Jesus. Amen. Sister Jackie, I don't know if she's in here. She's probably still at the coffee bar because somebody's probably still getting coffee. You say, can coffee really make a difference? It's just hospitality. A lot of great things happen over a cup of coffee. A lot of great conversations happen over a cup of coffee. Offer somebody a free cup of coffee and they might want to talk to you just a little bit. And you might be able to help them. You might be able to speak into their, to their lives in some way. You don't know. They might speak into your life. Does, does coffee get you to heaven? Absolutely not. And there are some lines of faith thought that probably feel like you probably won't go to heaven if you drink coffee. I'm not of that faith. <laughs> I am, uh, it's a gift from God, it came from the ground, and God created it, and gave, well, I don't know about that, but anyway, I'm stretching it, I'm stretching it, but you know what I'm saying, there's just so much that needs to be done, that has to be done, and again, the only requirement in serving the house of the Lord at the level I'm talking about right now, I'm talking the, the, the base level, I'm not talking about prophecy, and I'm not talking about uh, apostleship and things like that, I'm talking about Serving coffee, serving handouts, opening a door with a smile and the love of Jesus. It just says, hey, good morning. Good to have you here with us this morning. Hey, little baby. Man, you're so sweet. Jesus loves you. And you speak into that little baby's life in the nursery. Now, he can't, he don't comprehend the, the syllables, but you're speaking into his spirit. You're speaking into her spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit will, will take that. There's seed being planted. That's a ministry. And you know what you're doing when you hold that little baby in your arms in the nursery? You're giving a mom and dad an opportunity to worship and engage the Lord without distraction and disruption. And the other thing is, if we get everybody signed up that needs to be signed up and volunteering in the nursery, you don't have to do it every week till Jesus comes back. You get to do it once, and then you get to worship for the next five or six weeks. And then you give, you serve one week, and you worship four or five or six weeks. You serve one week. All of these ministries we're going to talk about today, most of them, 98% of them are on a rotation basis. So Samuel, we are in 1 Kings. Let me talk to you about young Samuel here for a moment. So the story of Samuel is this. Uh, his mother Hannah, before he was born, she was barren and could not have children. 
she made an agreement with God. Her and her husband had gone up to the temple for the annual celebration, as they always did, and brought their sacrifices. And while there, she had a, a come to Jesus meeting, if you will, and she broke down in the presence of God, and she said with great passion and, and tears, she said, God, if you give me a child or give me a son, I will dedicate him to your service. The next year when it's sacrifice time, she's got a baby boy. Now, she holds on to Samuel and finishes the weaning process. So at about four or five years old, she goes back for the annual celebration with her husband, and she takes young Samuel, says, Eli, here's my baby boy Samuel. I told him, I told God a few years ago that I would dedicate him to the service. I leave him with you. By the way, if you sign to volunteer to help us in the nursery once every five or six weeks, everybody does take their babies home. Okay, you don't have to keep the baby till Jesus comes back. You might want to, but you can't. It's just not even legal, so don't even think about it. So uh, she leaves Samuel there at about the age of four or five. Now, when we get to 1 Samuel chapter 3, we discover that Samuel's anywhere from 9, 10, or 11 years old. So he's a, a preteen. He's been there with Eli, the high priest, and he's going to eventually become a prophet and a judge. Remember, we've just come out of the book of Judges, if you read the chrono, if you read chronology. We've just come out of the book of Judges, and there's been a 300-year period where there's not been any much interaction with God and his people because the people have, have just grown hard towards God, and so they've not been hearing words from God. Samuel's going to be blessed as a young boy, we'll see in a moment, to be the first to, to hear a word in quite some time. He is going to go on to be a prophet, but right now what I want us to look at is he just had a couple of responsibilities in the house of the Lord to make sure that people who came to worship at the temple, or I'm sorry, at the tabernacle, had opportunity to engage God. Now, they're simple things. We're going to find out that one of his jobs was to just make sure during the night that the candles, the, the lampstands, continued to burn and didn't burn out because the requirement by God was those are to be on 24 hours a day. So we see that's one of his jobs. The other job was so simple, he got up and he opened the temple doors every morning. <sighs> Hardly a platform ministry. That's coming. That's coming. But right now, he doesn't need a calling and he doesn't need a special gift. He just needs to get up in the morning and open the doors so people can come to the tabernacle and worship the Lord. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, let's pick up right there in verse number 1, just a few verses here. It says, now the boy Samuel was ministering or serving to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Eli was the priest, the high priest, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Historians tell us about 300 years. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. So Eli, the high priest, couldn't see that the lights would be going out at night, and so one of the roles of Samuel was to make sure the lampstand continues to burn. Verse 4, then the Lord called Samuel, and he said to him, here I am. That's Samuel's response to the Lord. Now, you go on and you continue reading there, you discover that God gives Samuel a very harsh word. It's a rebuke of Eli the high priest and his family because Eli's sons are doofuses. Let's just put it that way. That's not in the Greek nor in the Hebrew. That is in the Texas uh, version. They're just, they're, they are wicked. 
and they are causing all kind of problems. So God's rejected them. The problem was Eli didn't take control of his sons, and now Eli is going to have to take responsibility before God. So God is speaking a judgment against Eli and against his family, and Samuel's the guy that's going to have to share that story with him. So God speaks these things to young Samuel, 9, 10, 11 years old, and then in verse 15 we pick up and it says what he does. After he hears the word of God, he says, Samuel lay down until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. And understandably so, because of the harsh rebuke that God was giving. But you see what Samuel did? He gets the first word from God in about 300 years, and he gets up, and he opens the doors. Does what he's been asked to do in the house of God. So he gets right back up, carries on his non-assuming, simple role of opening the doors. Becoming a great, before becoming a great prophet, Samuel was simply serving the Lord in the Lord's house. Some things we learn about serving in the Lord's house. There's three things I'm going to share with you real quickly that are not required to serve and volunteer in the house of the Lord. And I'm going to show you three things that are required. The first uh, that we discover is this. The first three are non-requirements. Volunteering at church does not require a specific calling by God. For Samuel, that day's coming. He will be called to be a prophet, and he will respond faithfully to that. He will become the prophet who anoints the first two kings of Israel, Saul and King David. He will also be uh, responsible for counseling them, for leading them, for speaking God's word into those men's lives. Samuel will play an important role, but right now, he doesn't know he's called. According to Scripture, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. All of our days have been ordained for us before one of them came into existence. So we know that before we were ever born, God called us. Samuel right now does not realize he's been called. All he knows is he's supposed to serve in the house of the Lord. And he's doing just that. What's the application for you and I is to understand that you have been created by God to do good works. You are, according to Paul's teaching, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to, good, to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. Now, there are some things that he has specifically called you to do and has anointed you with his Holy Spirit's gifts to do. We're not talking about those this morning. We'll talk about those in, in, on other occasions. This, what we're asking today, doesn't require a special calling responsibility and a personality. That's the two things that are required to serve the basic needs in the house of the Lord. There are needs that just require us to jump in. Say, this is the house of God. This is the house he's given to me to worship him in and my family and my friends. And there's a need. I'm going to jump in and I'm going to take responsibility, and with my personality, I'm going to meet a need. Volunteering as a greeter, a host, a life group host, a nursery worker, a preschool worker, others, doesn't require a specific calling. Now, I will tell you this, you want to work in the nursery and the preschool, personality's huge. <laughs> personality's huge. If you, uh, if you act like the Grinch, you're not going to be a successful nursery worker. But if you let Jesus take the Grinchiness out of you, man, you could make a great nursery, preschool, volunteer once every so many weeks. 
The calling for you is that you are called to serve the mission and the ministry of the Lord. And if you said, this is where Lord, the Lord wants you to be in worshiping him, then you've become a part of that mission. And he's called you. He's called you to be a part. He didn't call you to come because you like the music or because you like the preaching or anything else. Those are just all, those are, those are the bling that come along with. What he's called you to is this church has a mission. The church down the street has a mission. The church across town has a mission. I'm putting you here. That means to be a part of the mission. So we, we volunteer in certain roles. Secondly, volunteering at church, as I said, doesn't require a, spe- a specific calling by God, but it, and it doesn't require a special anointing. It doesn't require a special gift of the Holy Spirit. Samuel will be anointed as a prophet one day, but he's not been anointed to be a prophet yet. He's just now learning to hear the voice of God. In fact, if you'd have read those other verses in chapter 3 that we left out, he is learning to hear the voice of God. He thinks it's Eli, the high priest, calling him. And after the third time, Eli says, you know what, Samuel? I think God has broken through the heavens after all these years, and he's speaking to you. Go and say, Lord, here I am, and see what he says. So he'll get that anointing, but right now, there's just a need in the house. Eli can't see worth a flip, so he... Samuel's there to be his eyes. Make sure the lamps stay burning. Make sure the doors get open. Keep those doors open. The application for you and I this morning is this. Volunteering in several ways at church doesn't require a special anointing. People say, well, that's not my gift or that's not my calling. There are things that fit into your gift and into your calling. And then there's some things that you just step up and take responsibility for. You just say, man, there's a need and I can meet that need. I don't have to have a college degree to meet it. I don't have to have any special, well, there's always training, and we always do that. You'll say, well, I don't know what to do with a baby. Well, you've had babies. You know what to do with babies. You just love them, and you treat them right, and have a personality that shines Jesus, and they'll love you back. But people have the excuses. It's not my calling. It's not my my gifting. But I'm, I'm telling you this morning, there are things we can do that don't require the call. It don't require the gift. Simply serving a need that helps others receive and encounter Christ. Thirdly, something that's not required, volunteering at church, again, doesn't require a specific calling, doesn't require a special anointing, and it doesn't require a seasoned veteran. Well, I'm 60 years old, and I hadn't held a baby since I was in my 20s. Well, you can, you can do that now. You can do it now. doesn't require us. He's a veteran. Samuel is a preteen. At the most, he's 11 years old. But he's doing what he's been asked to do. He's been doing what needs to be done in the moments. And he seems to do it without, without question. He doesn't have much experience in God yet. He's just now learning how to hear the voice of God. He doesn't have much education. Yes, he has been trained. And is being trained in the Torah and all of that. But he's still in that process. He still hasn't completed that yet. He's simply a child. He's simply a child. And I realize this morning some of you may even feel offended that I'm pointing to a young child as a model volunteer. I asked God early this week where we go for Serve Sunday. And immediately this story jumped into my heart. And I knew, okay, well, it's going to be weird. 
But the reality check is volunteering is so simple, a child could do it. A child could do it. Jesus said, look, be ready because a child will lead them. Joel said, look, in the last days, God's going to pour his spirit out and your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. It's not rocket science. You don't, go to, you don't go to Bible college to learn how to, to hand a handout out and smile. In fact, Bible college helps you lose your smile. There's been a lot of sour, pruny-faced people come out of cemetery, seminary. So volunteering at church doesn't require that you be a seasoned veteran. It just requires that you take responsibility for the house that he's called you to, and you have a personality. Some say, it's not my calling, it's not my gifting, I don't feel led. What do you feel led to do? And are you doing it? If you feel not led to do everything else, what do you feel led to do? And if you feel led to do it, are you doing it? And if you're not doing it, why aren't you doing it? So the bottom line is, whether you feel led or not, it's not the issue. The issue is, will you take responsibility for the house of the Lord and the ministry of the Lord? I love you. I love you. I love being your pastor. So this is what volunteering doesn't require. What does volunteering require? Well, here's three, three simple things. One. Volunteering requires a fundamental love for the Lord and his house. And if you have been born again and filled with the Spirit of Christ, which if you're born again, you have been filled with the Spirit of Christ, and the fruit of the Spirit is, say it with me, love. The outflow of the Holy Spirit once you're born again is love. A love for God and a love for others. That's what the Ten Commandments are about. First four are about loving God. The other six are about loving others. If you love them, you don't kill them. If you love them, you don't commit adultery on them. You love them. A fundamental love for the Lord and his house. Samuel would have learned as a child growing up there that God loved him and that God's house was important. It was a place where people on an annual basis would travel for miles and days to come for the joy of being able to sacrifice an offering and worship their God together. If you notice in your Bible and in the book of Psalms, you'll see a lot of times there'll be a tag, like a certain psalm, and I don't know which one right now would fit this, but it'll say a psalm of ascent, A-S-C-E-N-T. What that means is that was a song that the people, while they're traveling for a few days, they would sing these songs as they are ascending upwards to the city of Jerusalem to get to the temple to worship God. Samuel realizes, though he may not fully grasp the significance of it just yet, people enjoy coming to this place. People seem to come with joy with their sacrifices. And then when they get together and see each other for the first time in a year, they enjoy being with each other. What can I do to be a part of that? Well, I'll open the doors so they can all get in and join the party. Samuel doesn't see his mom and his dad except once a year when they come up now. But he's content serving in the house of the Lord. 
because he loves God. And apparently he has a love for the house. People are meeting with Almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, Jehovah Yahweh. And he gets to be a part of that. For us, volunteering is rooted in the love that we have for God. We just serve because we know God loves us and, and we love him. And if he served us, and isn't that exactly what Jesus said? I've not come to be served, but to serve. He's come to do that for us. And he's, by the way, when he says that and he washes the disciples' feet, he says, now you guys go serve each other like this. Serve like I serve. I see a need, I step in, and I serve the need. It's that plain, it's that simple. If you believe in the mission of your church that you fellowship with, beyond just giving financially, you must invest yourself in serving that mission. If all of us took to heart the teaching from last week about giving forward, and we, we all began to, to give a tenth, the first ten, the tithe, off of our increase each week, that would give us huge opportunities of ministry and mission to our community and our world. But it still wouldn't allow us to hire enough people to do all of the things in the house of the Lord that need to be done. There's some things money will not do. Money will not serve the need we have individually to serve. You know, when Paul talks about spiritual gifts, let me throw this in. It's the word charismata. We know the term today, charismatic. That means somebody who believes in the fullness and the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit today and, and has this uh, belief that, that the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit operate today. That's charismatic, charisma. That word Greek, in the Greek, charisma, when Paul uses it, comes from the Greek word charis. The first four letters of it are the word charis, which means grace. Gifts are God's grace to us. And the word grace, charis, C-H-R-I-S, comes from the Greek word car, C-H-A-R, which means joy. It's the word for joy. You put them all together, serving God with what he's given you brings joy, brings fulfillment, brings a sense of value to us. We have to invest our time, not just our finances. Here's my challenge to us all. We're already here. We're already here on Sunday. What if one Sunday every four to five or six weeks you had to show up 30 or 45 minutes early, one time every so many weeks, to take care of the needs of the house so that that day everybody who comes to worship has an opportunity, a clear path to engage Jesus. You're already here. You're already here. Why not, uh, why not dive in? You love your brothers and sisters at Victory Family Church. It's time to, to be a part of serving and not waiting to be served. And then number five, volunteering requires, as I said, a fundamental love for the Lord and his house. But it also involves a fresh perspective on my responsibility to serve. And that's what this whole teaching is this morning, is getting a right perspective about the house of the Lord and my responsibilities. You see, Samuel was a breath of fresh air to Eli and to the temple. Because like I said, Eli's sons were just wicked guys. 
and they've created a lot of bitterness. People are bitter because they're, they're, uh, the, the sons were requiring people to bring sacrifices that they weren't required to bring uh, in the law. The sons were taking the sacrifices for themselves and making meals out of them for themselves and their own parties and their own celebrations. And it was just, they were just wicked. And, and Samuel comes along, simple young man who's not been tainted with arrogance, who's not been tainted with legalism, who just says, well, my mom said I was supposed to be serving the Lord because she made a deal with God. Here I am. And so he's there. He shows up, and he's a breath of fresh air. How fresh? Well, if historians are correct, it's been close to 300 years or more since anybody's heard a word from God, and Samuel gets the first word. And how fresh is it to get a word from God after there hasn't been one in so long? So fresh that when Eli realizes the next morning God spoke to Samuel, he says, Samuel, tell me what God said to you last night. And it's a rebuke of Eli. And Eli is so refreshed that somebody has heard from God that he says, so be it from the Lord. So be it from He's going to die. He's going to die, but he's so refreshed. When you and I choose to step into those roles of meeting the need within the house, it's refreshing. It's refreshing. A reality check is perspective for all of us this morning. Someone showed up early this morning to serve so that you could worship, fellowship, and grow in the Lord and connect with each other. Someone's been serving in these roles for 26 years. Now, not one person for doing it, but every Sunday for 26 years and almost a month now, people have been showing up early to serve so that Victory Family Church can worship together, grow together, meet the needs of people in the church and in our community together. It's time for you to be sharing in the serving of others. Why would any Christian, okay, I'm just going to give it to you like it's in my notes. I, I believe God spoke it to me, so I put it in my notes. I didn't get it off a bumper sticker, so I'm pretty sure this is legit. Why would any Christian feel it's legit to just show up and let everyone else serve them? Then I put a bullet note. That's not what Jesus did. He said, I have come not to be served but to serve. The fresh perspective for all of us is this. Man, it just takes volunteers to make the house of the Lord function in the mission and ministry of the Lord. I know some say, well, we, we've got paid staff. This is, all, this is in every church. We've got paid staff. I, I heard an older, elder minister tell me one time some years ago, he's since gone to be with the Lord, but he was put out with one of our local ministers that said uh, he wanted to get his pastor fired from his church, one of our AG churches here in the area. So this gentleman was there to kind of bring some healing and all of that and some, some reconciliation. He said, so what's he done that's so bad? So they, he, this guy listed some things. And then, then he said, nah, I bought some witnessing tracks, and I gave them to the pastor to hand out. And I found out he hadn't handed out one of those tracks I gave him. And I, I love I love Pastor Leon. Some of you know Leon. Leon looked at him and said, let me get this straight. You bought witnessing tracks for someone else to pass out. How many of them did you pass out? I bought them for the pastor to pass out. 
So chew on that a little bit. But there's always in every church, there's the idea, well, we have paid staff. Let me just bring some fresh perspective. Let's, let's, let's do a reality check. We have, we have five staff members that are, well, no, let me back up. We have, what do we have here? We have four, three, two, one. No, we have, we have three that are considered full-time, that this is every day, this is their, their role. Two of those are pastors, fulfilling pastoral roles. We have two others that are not full-time, that are pastors, carrying pastoral roles. They're part-time. They're here Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm just trying to bring perspective. I'm not trying to get you to feel sorry for anybody, because this team does it with the best attitude of any team I've had working with me in 26 years. And Lisha will agree with that. So I'm not trying to get you to feel sorry for me. I'm trying to bring perspective. So two of those pastors are only part-time. They're only in the office Tuesday and Thursday. And half of Tuesday is usually a, a staff meeting with prayer for you guys and planning and preparing for the, for the weekend that's to come or the next couple of weeks. And then once a month on Thursday, all day is given to, to Victory Cares. So those guys, they're paid for, for two days a week and then their weekend ministry role, uh, but they dive right in on Thursdays with everyone else who's not paid. But yet they still have their responsibilities to get ready for their ministries still to come, but a whole day has been taken out. Now, again, I'm not saying that to make you feel sorry. I just want to give perspective. We cannot hire. If everybody in this house tithed, we could not have, um, we still would not have enough money to fulfill the mission and pay enough people to do the works of ministry. That's why Jesus says, look, serve like I serve. That's why your pastor stands this morning and says, there's some needs in the house. They're simple needs, but they require people who will take responsibility and show some personality. Moving forward this year for Victory Family means we got to have more people serving. COVID gave us a hit. Ministries are growing. We are seeing new families coming in. We're seeing greater opportunities of ministry to our community. So there's the needs are growing. And then lastly, volunteering requires a fundamental love, as I said, for the Lord and his house, a fresh perspective on my responsibility, and follow through in faithfulness. Those are the only three requirements right there. It's, we're not talking about special anointings and callings right now. We're just talking about some needs in the house. What Samuel did after receiving that direct word from God that we read in verse 15, I read that years ago. And man, that gripped my heart. I read that back when I was a young minister. And it, it was, it was it, what jumped out at me was he had just heard the first word of God in 300 years. <laughs> He's just heard the first one, special delivery. <laughs> Everybody, there's, role, there's needs to be met, and apparently Pastor Leah or somebody over there had a need, <laughs> and we got the need taken care of. Is that Charlie? Colin. Colin. Thank you, Colin, for stepping up and meeting the need. That couldn't be any better. <laughs> if you're watching online and didn't get to see that, there was this little body just scurried across the front. Made a special delivery and scurried right back over. Job done, need met. But it's always stood out to me that Samuel got right up the next morning. He could be entitled. I just heard the word of God. 
Could one of you peasants go open the doors this morning? I'm, I'm going to take a little time to assimilate what God said, what God's doing in my life now. But he didn't. He just got up and he did what he always did. Why? Because the need was still there. The doors still have to be opened so the people can come and worship the Lord. Volunteering means I've got to be able to be counted on. We're going to ask you this morning in the expo, we're going to tell you about the different ministries that have some need for volunteers. We're going to turn you loose in the foyer. There's snacks, there's uh, drinks out there for you, uh, legal drinks in the house of the Lord. Uh, there are tables set up with some little brochures about each ministry. The staff's going to come in a moment, tell you a little bit about the ministries, give you a few minutes to mingle around. We've got some sign-up sheets out there, and we're going to ask you to sign up for a ministry, a place to volunteer. And again, almost all of these are a rotating basis, so you're, you're not committing every Sunday to be out of church. In fact, I uh, spoke with uh, Jordan, our nursery coordinator this morning. She's been back there five weeks in a row. She hasn't been able to be in church uh, in five weeks. That's why we need volunteers. And she needs to be in church every so many weeks, and so do you. So that happens when we've got enough uh, manpower to, to make that happen. But almost every volunteer opportunity is on a rotating basis, uh, but they function on faithfulness. That is a requirement. You say, well, pastor, I just, boy, I don't know if I could be faithful to commit to that ministry. Well, then you need to talk to Jesus about commitment. You just, it's just a Jesus thing. <laughs> it's just you and Jesus. You got you to gotta get it working with him. In fact, uh, does he jive with your excuses? Do, do your excuses carry water? with Jesus. And if you can stand before Jesus and say, well, I just wasn't feeling it, then there you go. But what does Jesus, what does Jesus expect when it says we are his workmanship created in him to do good works, prepared in advance for us to do? The bottom line is this, because you are saved, you should serve. And I've tr I wrestled with which way to put this. Because you are saved, you should serve. Or you see it also there, I serve because I'm saved. Jackie, I think that's our next t-shirt coming up. I serve because I'm saved. There's many roles at Victory Family Church on Sundays and Wednesdays that don't take a special calling or gifting. They just take responsibility and personality. 